Thank you. Hello, testing, is this on? Yes. Good, good. Well, um, wow. So I have to behave myself because I'm a walker and a preacher. And I'm gonna try and, I know we got, hi everybody online if you watch this, we're glad. Um, so in the mid 90s, I walked this building when it was just uh, after it was a waste market with the eldership from Christ Community Church to decide if Christ Community would like to plant a church in Millersburg, Pennsylvania. And I remember walking this building before it ever looked like this, right? And uh, so that was the beginning of my history with, with this church. And then I raised up a young man through our youth ministry uh, by the name of Mike Wary. Anybody know who Mike Wary is? So, so Mike was the kind of young man in my youth ministry. Mike would walk into the room and I would start laughing. And the only reason I would start laughing because I knew he was about to do something that would make me laugh anyway. So I just figured I'd laugh anyhow. He was an amazing young man, now lives in Australia. So Mike, um, incredible young man. And then James Hopman, um, done youth, retreat, youth retreats with him um, over at, what's the name of the? That's it, Camp Hebron. Um, and so Pastor Steve called me. I saw on my phone Millersburg, PA, but I didn't have the number. And I was like, I'm not answering it. <laughs> and uh, the voicemail was left and I listened to the voicemail. And it was Pastor Steve. And I was like, oh my word, like it has been years since I have talked to him, but I absolutely, I hope he doesn't watch this because then I'll get a big head. I absolutely adore Pastor Steve. I absolutely love his heart. Now I haven't been with him in forever. I'm just going to assume he's still chasing Jesus. You're, you're my testimony on that, right? That he's still in love with him, but I absolutely love Pastor Steve's heart. He's an amazing, amazing man of God. And I told him when you get back, we have to do lunch because now that we're kind of connected, I'm preaching, I, I need to sit and hear your heart again. So Cindy and I, this is my wife Cindy, um, have been to Millersburg three times in the last three months to preach. And I'm like, hmm, isn't that interesting? Millersburg, Pennsylvania, here we are. Um, I, I don't, don't raise your hand, this is a rhetorical question. I pray that everybody got in their assigned seat today and nobody sat in your assigned seat. <laughs> We have them in church, right? Like we know, hey, that person sits on that side, in that row, on this side. Like it never changed, right? Like Cindy and I have the left side about the third or fourth row. We got it nailed down at our church, right? So if you did not get your assigned seat, please come for prayer after and I will pray with you um, that that person will not sit in your assigned seat <laughs> next week. Um, so I'm going to get into the Word of God, but before I do, how many know everybody in this room has a little messy going on? Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hand, I, I know you do. Um, let me, let me, let me, can I share my, my messy? I'll, I'll share my messy. So today's Sunday, yesterday was Saturday. My plan was to sleep a little bit, get up, sip on some coffee, study the Word of God, pray, prepare. Now, now when I'm asked to preach somewhere, I start from that point forward. I just begin to pray, God, like, what are you doing? 
I want to join your thing because my thing's not near as good as your thing. And um, Cindy comes racing in. She had to go to work. Says, Tom, I hit the curb. I got a flat tire. You're going to have to take care of it. She's zooming around because she's got to get to work. I'm taking your Jeep. Boom, she's gone. Well, my response was, so I just want you to know I'm messy. Oh, Cindy, like, what? It was frustration. And I jumped out of bed. I get all my clothes on. I'm like, I'm like, I got to deal with it. She's gone, right? Like, I I just, a little bit of murmuring. And then here's the the key. it's, It's not wrong to be messy. It's what we do with our messy. So it didn't take me very long to pick up my phone and go, hey, honey, I love you. Uh, I'm sorry about being frustrated and I'm honored to serve you and get your tire fixed. So now I picked her, well, I actually went down to the tire place, it was right close to her. I walked over and I said, I love you. I've got, I'm getting tires on your car. Like, it's okay. I'm sorry for my frustration. See, it's about humility, right? At the end of the day, when we're messy, my, my goal is always to come back and go correct my messy. And humility with a capital H is really the ingredient that all of us need because we're imperfect. If you're in the church for very long, you learn he's messy and she's messy. And, and so messy happens. Um, I want to do this before I turn to the book of Acts. I'm going to go to chapter one, but... Before I do, I know you have your son on your lap, but I want you to come stand right here with me. I don't know. I don't think I know you. Do I know you? I don't know you. Stand right here. Cindy, come here, please. Yeah, we're going to pray for this young guy. So Cindy and I, I've been to every continent in the world except Antarctica. Cindy has been to every continent in the world except Australia and Antarctica. And so we get to participate and have participated in a lot of services. 40 plus years. And I just wanted to say to this young lady in front of all of you, what is your name? Stephanie. Stephanie. What's your last name? Thorne. Thorne. Stephanie Thorne. You are a carrier of the presence of God. I leaned over to Cindy and I went, oh man, I love this girl's heart. Like, wow, she, yeah, she got it. And so, you know, private worship, whatever that looks like for all of us, um, we, we increasingly grow into that private place, right? So that when we stand on a stage um, and make that public declaration to invite people into the presence, the private matters in the public, yeah. right? But there's something this young gal carries. I could immediately just sense in my heart that like this girl carries yeah. the presence of God. And I just wanted to encourage you, like whatever, wherever you're at, like I know you're messy too, right? Like I, I you know, um, <laughs> right, right. They know, they know, they know. But isn't it good sometimes to just have a word of encouragement that says, man, listen, I've been around. I see you. There's something you carry that it's not normal. It's extra normal. It's supernatural. It's a carrying of the presence of God. And I just want to encourage her to keep chasing towards that. Right. So I wanted Cindy and I, Cindy's. she's, this is the worship woman. I, I'm, I, I mean, I love to worship. I, you just don't want me on the worship team, right? And so I want Cindy to lay hands on her. I want to lay hands on her and I want to pray for her. Can we do that together as the body? If you want to stretch your hand, do that. God, thank you for Stephanie. And Father, in the name of Jesus, um, I just wanted to affirm who she is and what she's called to. 
And God, um, I, I pray, Father, just at where she's at now, that pursuit and that revelation of who you are will continue to escalate. That God, it will go deeper. And that Father, as she stands before your people, welcomes them and invites them into the presence of God, I pray people will look at her and say, she's been with Jesus, like she's been with him. And God, I thank you. I thank you for the body and what it brings when we come together And God, I thank you that this church has a a woman. And God, thank you for the others that were helping this morning. You could see and sense the presence of God through them. And so, Father, we continue to aspire to go deeper with you, to know you deeper, that we might reveal who you are through worship. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Just wanted to encourage you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Um, what time are we normally done? This is dangerous. Like it's 11 o'clock, like for real. What time do you guys normally? 12. 12? Oh, wow. I better be really good if I'm going to go to 12. Um, well, God, God better really be good, right? Uh, this had nothing to do with me. Um, so I was praying. I've got a notebook up here and I literally have nothing written in it for today. I have a lot of notes. I thought, well, if I really get in trouble, I just open it up. I got notes in here. I can. But um, every now and then over my, when I traveled for seven years and spoke around the country, I, I hit a season where I would get into a worship service. I would, I would um, many times step towards the back and I would just watch people worship and I would say, Father, what are you doing? Because whatever you're doing, you do way better than Tom does it. And so I just want to join your thing because I know it'll be, it'll be cool. If it's just my thing, then, you know, it's going to be my thing and it's going to be based and centered on my gift, not your anointing. So as I've been praying and um, from the time that Pastor Steve contacted me, I'm like, God, what, what, what do you want to say to these people? What, what are you doing in Millersburg, Pennsylvania that you've had me up here three times in the last three months? Like, you know, God doesn't overlook the small places, right? Like, like sometimes the small beginnings, the small places, God goes, those people for this time, for now, right? And so I, I, in all of my travels, I've stood before 10 and I've stood before 300,000. But you know what? I've always tried to carry the heart. It really doesn't matter how many are, you're, you're speak, your, your assignment is in front of you, regardless of who or how many. It's been appointed by God. You treat it as if it's an appointment by the Lord and you carry the presence of God the best you can into that place with the messy that we all have. Um, so I, I, I wanted to start in Acts 1 and I think some of this for me is I, I, I have dabbled in this, uh, I've preached this. Um, I, don't, I don't know where it's going to go today. I don't think it's going to probably come out like it has in the past, but I, I think there's, uh, um, I'm not a prophet, but I see sometimes what others can't yet see, right? If that makes sense. So it's prophetic, but I would never declare myself a prophet with a capital P. I just can see things sometimes and and many, many times I've been like, as we all are like, wow, that was God. Like God was speaking to me and 
it comes out and then it's confirmed, you know, sometimes years later. So I think this is where we're headed. I think it's maybe some of where we're at, but I think it's some of where we're going. The body of Christ in the days of head is not going to look like we are comfortable in today. I think there's something coming because you guys are looking and watching the culture, right? Seeing what's transpiring. Now, I've worked with teenagers for 40 years. And, you know, if I would go back 40 years and, and I would look at today and I would say, well, where are we, is the generation closer to God or further from God from 40 years ago to today? Well, I can sure, I assure you that things we're dealing with with this generation today, we were not even, it wasn't even in a sentence 40 years ago, right? Like if you would have said some of what we're dealing with today 40 years ago, you'd have been like, you're a jerk. That ain't never going to happen. And so here we are, right? I think part of what's coming for the body of Christ is, I think there are people that go to church and then I think there's followers of Jesus. And I think the separation is in the very beginning phases of, so who is a follower and who is a church attender? And there's a massive difference. And here's the scary part. Satan is a deceiver. If I am deceived, I don't know I'm deceived because I'm deceived. Correct? Unless somebody preaches the word of God or a friend challenges me and looks me in the eye and says, bro, I'm, I'm concerned about you and where you currently are. Could I challenge you to step forward and to get out of that thing that you seem to have as a stronghold in your life? Right? And so, you know, I think what I'm, what I'm watching happen is the spirit of religion is a powerful, powerful spirit. I mean, from the time Jesus, right, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin council, they were the ones that opposed him the greatest. If I can tell you as a pastor over 40 years, the ones that have been the most contentious after I've preached or as I've pastored in a church are those who come with religion. It carries a spirit of criticism. It carries a spirit of judgmentalism. If you find yourself leaving on a Sunday and you feel this criticism rising up in you, my encouragement would be get before the Lord and say, Jesus, what is it about me that wants to carry this critical spirit, you might find you're more religious than you are relational. Because here's my statement that I say from the time I started ministry, the kingdom of God is built on relationship. It has to start with my vertical relationship with the Father, and then that outpouring should then come horizontally to the body of Christ. When I am not gentle and I am not kind and I am not loving and I am not joyful and I am not peaceful and I am not faithful and I don't walk in the fruits of the spirit. I wake up every morning now. My goal is simply to walk in the fruits of the spirit. I am not here to build a ministry. I'm not here to build my kingdom. I'm not here to build anything other than to be relational with people to expose who Jesus is in my life to you. And when I fail, and I do, is to circle back to you and say, hey, would you please forgive me? My voice had frustration and, and, and anger, and that's not a fruit of the Spirit last time I checked. And I just want you to know, 
forgive me. See, when that's taking place and the emphasis is on the relationships in the body of Christ and we are all together collectively as a body vertically pursuing him, can I tell you, it just goes so much better this way, right? Like we, we then learn to love and care for one another. So let's look at chapter one in Acts. Verse number three, after, and the King James will say, after his passion, if you have the NIV or another translation, it may say suffering. He presented himself to them. This is Jesus and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Can I tell you what passion does that emotions don't do? Passion gives a convincing proof that Jesus Christ is alive in your life. Passion matters. Emotions will last for a moment but they will be vaporized, right? They will, they will be gone. We can be happy for a moment and then we can be sad. We can be angry for a moment and then we can be at peace. Passion never goes away, never goes away, never goes away. I can tell you from the very first days when I got saved coming out of partying at college, flunking out of college, going, what am I doing with my life? and finding Jesus, and, and then that became the catalyst, the pain of my college years, became the passion of youth ministry for me for, for four decades. Because your pain has every opportunity to become your passion. I talked to Scott a little bit this morning, heard just a brief, very overview flyover of his life. I can tell by just what I heard from him that the pain of his journey, he's now seized that moment to be able to now become the passion and a representative of Jesus, right? So I don't know what your pain has been, family, work, community, church. I don't know what your pain has been, but I can promise you this. It has every opportunity to become your passion in life allow it to be. Give convincing proof that Jesus is alive. So for me and Cindy, for four decades, we have attempted to give convincing proof to a generation that Jesus is alive and well, right? It's becoming more challenging, way more challenging. And so the things that I think that we see, and I'm not a proponent of recreating what we see in Acts, but I do think some of the foundational things we see in Acts, it will be good for us to get back there, yes. right? So we're not trying to be the book of Acts because we're not living in their time. But I can tell you this, that after Jesus' passion, he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So then the question becomes for all of us, and this is the way I've tried to live my life. Listen, standing on a platform on Sunday morning, I, I know it's necessary and I'm okay with it and I think there's power in it, but my life has lived mostly 24 seven outside of this platform. And so then my question is, who am I giving convincing proof that Jesus is alive, right? So I meet a young man at the tire place yesterday. And I said, hey, um, well, we're gonna go to lunch while you guys finish up, because I knew it was gonna be a while yet. And he started walking with me. He goes, well, I'm gonna go to lunch with you. <laughs> Kidding, right? And I was like, absolutely, come on. Like, you know, and he stayed. After we got back, I walked in, I said, hey, 
You didn't get to go to lunch with us, but here, here, this is to go get lunch sometime on me. You, you, you know, and I share that with you not to say, hey, look at me. I, mean, I say that to say every moment of every day is an opportunity to give convincing proof to somebody that Jesus is alive in your life. And then the question becomes, how many of us are church sitters and we give some evidence of proof because we worship in this body and we come to church, but then Millersburg is dying to see you give convincing proof as you walk through the day, at your workplace, at Weiss Market, at w- whatever we find ourselves doing, giving convincing proof that Jesus is alive. You jump down to verse 14. Hmm. This is where it gets a little challenging. They all join together. How often? Tell me. Constantly in what? In prayer. Prayer, I have said in many ways, is the modern day church cuss word. You say prayer and people go, I'm good. Got it. Prayer. I know we need it, but I'm good. What I was most blessed with this morning is seeing a circle of people in here praying for this service because I know the power of prayer makes a difference, right? Matters, it matters. We're saying when we pray, Jesus, without you, we're just gathering and using gifts. We need the power of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus, the authority and the name of Jesus, everything he purchased on the cross and through the resurrection to be in this room. If Jesus is not preached, then what are we preaching? Right? Because that's the gospel message. He died, he was buried, he rose again on the third day. According to the scriptures, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now here's the really cool part, you ready? Come on, act a little excited, smile, nod your head like I'm ready. When you pray, he then makes intercession on your behalf for that prayer. Come on. Come on. I cry out to Jesus. I stop and he goes, I got it from here. And he begins to intercede to the father on the things I just pray. You can't lose. But the problem is we need the revelation of that when we need healing in our body, right? When we need finances to break through. We've been faithful, but we're waiting for the Father to break that barrier. Just know when you pray and you move on to your day, just go, Jesus, thanks, you got this now. There's authority in the name of Jesus Christ. So they all join together constantly in prayer. Now, so for me, it's like, well, do circumstances shape us or do we volunteer in the circumstances? I think circumstances shape us. I think when we feel the press of the culture, which I think is going to get even testier for us as the body of Christ, I think there's going to come a time where we all look at each other and go, hey, you know what is a good idea? We need to pray. And all of a sudden the desire for prayer goes up because of the things we're facing and the and the walls are kind of seemingly coming in. And all of a sudden we all begin to see, you know what, we need to cry out to God. 
We need to pray. Our dependency is on him. See, these people, can you imagine, Jesus has just now said, hey, boys, hey, ladies, I'm out. Now, he's come in his glorified body to be with them. And then it says he was taken up into the sky. Now, now picture this. Could you imagine having seen Jesus in bodily form, human bodily form, now in his resurrected body, and now he's gone. Let's just say he was standing here and we're all sitting here and he goes, I'm out. And we all went. I mean, it doesn't describe how they reacted, but I'd be like, whoa, wow, did you see that he's gone? Like he's been translated, he is out of here. I mean, I can't even imagine Elisha when Elijah was like, hey, if you're there when I go, you get double portion. Elisha's like, I'm there, I'm there, I am not going anywhere. I am there, I am on your coattail. And when he starts to ascend, I can't imagine what Elisha's doing. What the coolest thing I've ever seen that's never happened. And I get twice what he had. And he knew what Elijah had. Come on now. See, prayer connects us to him. I have, from the beginning of my ministry life, as my sweet sister said, is prayer has been invaluable. I know the connection I need to have with him to do ministry. Am I messy? Absolutely, I am. I, I love the passage that says God used ignorant, check, unlearned, check, men full of the Holy Spirit. I'm, 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 I've got part of a check mark. Because these, these guys, shadows, were healing people. Wait, what? Shadows. I don't have a full check mark. I, 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 I see some ink. I see the beginning. I know the Holy Spirit, the same one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is living right here on the inside of me. And I know that matters. But these people were gathering constantly in prayer. I, I heard a story about a church back, I, probably 50s. Not one person in their church died prematurely because every time somebody got sick, the church would just gather and pray. They would just come to the building and pray. And people were healed. And people were healed. And people were healed. And people were healed. See, the debate isn't whether it's God's will or not to heal us. If that's your debate, you got to get in and study the word, man. I've been on this thing for a while now. I've been digging into this because Cindy's gone through cancer once, twice, just got out of the hospital for pneumonia. So I'm like, okay, God, you said this, the prayer of faith will make the sick well. Where is that happening? Because I don't know it's happening the way I would like to see it happen through my life. And I'm not sure I see it happening in the body of Christ the way I would like to see it be happening. But the prayer of faith will make the sick well. And it doesn't say, well, but not for you. And when Jesus said he healed, I love when it says he healed them all. 
all. Is Jesus Christ going to do, is God the Father going to do, is the Holy Spirit going to do any more than he's already done? His part's done. You know who he's waiting on? <laughs> he's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. We're messy. You know, our, our enemy is what? Doubt. Unbelief. Fear. Worry. Anxiety's become a big one in this generation, right? Therapy, you got to get therapy. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying anxiety has become a real thing. Then I go into Philippians chapter 4. Isn't this crazy? The Lord, here's the key. The first phrase, the Lord is near. Philippians 4, the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. Now I read that and I go, are you kidding? Like nothing. Like nothing. Like nothing with a capital N. Nothing. Why? Because the Lord is near. With prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You see what I think is coming to the body of Christ. We kind of been a little bit sloppy about prayer. And when we pray, my question always is, are we pharisaically praying or are we praying and believing? Because those two ingredients have to be associated. And so we do an awful lot of praying that doesn't seem to come with answers. And so my question for me and God, as I've been sitting and praying and talking to him is, God, I don't know what the roadblocks are to the prayer of faith making the sick well, but God, would you please begin to give me revelation on what the roadblocks are in my life? Because I want to knock those barriers down. And not for the sake of Tom having a great healing ministry, for the sake that signs and wonders follow those who hmm, believe. Jesus could do, not do much in his own hometown because of unbelief. So we know believing and unbelieving are, are, are two, you know, ends of the spectrum. And we have this war going on for all of us in this room between those two. And being able to pray for the sick and see them recover is, is a real thing. Like when somebody's prayed for, and man, I've been reading these stories, guys. Woman given three weeks to live has metastatic uh, cancer of the liver. Three weeks to live. She goes home with her husband. She prays on the floor. She curses the cancer. She gets up. And from that day, 30 some years later, every day she reads healing scriptures. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, part of praying, I think we need to pray more the word of God than we do our own desires because it gets us connected to him and what he says. And I'm on that journey. I'm, I'm not telling you I'm there. I, I'm not Oral Roberts. I'm not whoever you think, you know, the great healing ministers of the day. But here's what I think's coming because people are connected back into the intimacy of Christ, gathering together constantly in prayer every member of the body will pray for the sick and see people healed. 
I really believe that's what's coming for this coming generation because if you ever want to look at a generation, we can say a lot of things about the generation. Doesn't God do his best work when it seems the most hopeless? And so he's going to take some of these young men and women who are, are, I mean, just like your story, Scott, who are just way away from the father. They come out of the pigsty and they come back to the father and the anointing lands on them and see these young men and women begin to pray for the sick and see them recover. I think that's what I see coming. I think the appetite to pray is going to come because we're going to feel the squeeze of the culture. And we're going to see what's coming and what's happening. And we're going to look at each other and go, look, 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 there's no option. There's no option. If Jesus Christ and all his authority does not rest on us, we lose. He has already won everything he needs to win through his death, burial, and resurrection. I don't know what the mess is that you're in. I don't know the family situation. I don't know the health situation. I don't know where you live right now. I don't, I don't even know the situation here in the body of Christ, except I know the man that leads it. And I know there's got to be some healthy here, right? But I'm telling you, as, as we go into this next season for the church, I believe we're just going to, we're going to have a desire to pray. Whether seems to have been little to no desire, right? And people will begin to gather that didn't gather previously because they'll see what's, what's happening in our world. Let's jump over to chapter two. So we've got passionate people and we've got praying people. That's a good start. And then we get into chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, right? We, you, guys, you guys know this, right? You know the story. Suddenly it sounded like the blowing of a violent wind. I always picture myself sitting in these things. Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, all of them, all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. If you jump down, if you go back to verse 8 in chapter 1, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates. Let's jump down to verse 8. But you will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A rhetorical question. I don't know if you agree with this or not, but the Holy Spirit is probably the most misunderstood part of the Trinity. Most of us see the Holy Spirit as a force or a thing or a, a sweeping wind or something that comes into our midst, but we don't see him as a person. He's a person. He's not an it. He's not a force. He's a person. Here's the good news. Everybody look right here. Look right here. He lives in you if you know Jesus as your personal savior. And there's a power that comes with that because that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Now, here, here, let's go back to believe, unbelieve. 
Okay, so we all carry that, but we don't act like we carry that, right? Because we're somewhere on the spectrum of believe unbelief. Listen, I'm on the spectrum too. I don't even know where I am on the spectrum. I just know I'm on the spectrum. Because my shadow is not healing anybody, anybody in the room. Because if you are, you need to take my place and I'm going to go sit down. Shadows healing people is a big deal. I think what's coming is the power, the presence, the praying of God is going to emerge in the body of Christ and the goat and the sheep will separate. And those who know about God will come quickly to the place that they thought they knew him, but they only knew about him. See, to me, that's the greatest deception in the body of Christ. We think we know him. We just know about him. How can you prove that, Tom? If Cale Sanderson, anybody know who he is? The wrestling coach for Penn State. Dynasty. I know a lot about Cale Sanderson. He walked through those doors. I would say, Cale! He'd be like, who are you? I don't know, but I feel like I know you because I know so much about you. I think I know you. And he'd be like, dude, you only know about me because I have no clue who you are. Is it the, one of the scariest scriptures, Matthew 7, 21? But Lord, Lord, I healed the sick. I cast out demons. And then he says, but I don't know you. Isn't it a beautiful thing when Paul says, it's all rubbish, it's garbage. Everything I've done is garbage. But what's not garbage is knowing him and making him known. See, God's not interested in, well, what's, what's, what's Hillside Christian Fellowship going to build? How big is this church going to get? What kind of programs are they going to have? Is that, is that time? Or are we done? No. <laughs> Just kidding. The alarm. Somebody's like, that's enough. Blah, 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 blah. My mission in life has been to know him. How do we best get to know him? Walk by faith. Because you know what happens when I take a step of faith? He has to meet me there or it ain't happening. And when it happens, I go, oh, God, I know, I knew, I know, I know you. And he's longing and he's waiting for his people to walk by faith. Why? Because they know him. I could open up my notebook and I could begin. I've got them listed by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. How many times did Jesus heal people and say, because of your faith, because of your faith, because of your faith. Listen, there's not big giant faith and little small faith. This is what I believe. Faith, listen to this. This is really important. I heard this and it just sank right into my spirit. Faith simply is the tool that accesses the promises that God has already given you. 
Now, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but it's not getting more faith. It's not getting less faith. Listen, these words that we preach, that we read, that we devotion, that we come alongside. Words, if I, if I said to you, sir, hey, I got a million dollars for you. I have no idea who you are. I don't, I don't even know if you have any idea who I am. You'd be like, yeah, right. A million dollars. If you knew I was a hundred million dollar man and I said I was going to give you a million dollars, would you have a little more faith to believe that I could probably deliver on what I just said? See, when you know the one you're praying to, then these words become more powerful, but these words in and of themselves carry no power. When I know the one who said these words, that's when they become powerful. Because I know he can back them up. I know he is who he says he is. Now listen, we're all on this long journey. Man, I've been saying to God lately, God, I'm 67, but I sure, can we start at 27? Because I think I'm just starting to get it. And I could, could I just, and go forward from there? But it's the journey, isn't it? Listen, there is therefore no condemnation to those who walk not under the flesh, but walk after the spirit. There's no condemnation in saying, hey, I'm here, but I, but, I, but it's taken me this long to get here. There's no condemnation in that. We're all on a journey. But if your journey is to participate in ministry at Hillside Christian Fellowship, that's like way down on the list. I'm not saying it's not important. It's part of being part of the body. What's most important is, have you sat with him? Do you know him? Because listen, we, we can be great devotional people and we can be so disciplined to read the Bible, but never take a step of faith. We're like, I'm good. Controlled, controlled atmosphere. Don't make me do what I can't see. Isn't that where the problem comes in? Faith requires us stepping into what we can't yet see. I'm a cliff jumper. Cindy's a bit more of a settler. I'd been to South Africa four times. In those four times, I could feel like, I, 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 God, this is what you're doing. And what you're doing, I want to join. And so I had a buddy of mine over there that would say to Cindy and I, so, he would say it to Cindy, so Cindy, when are you moving to South Africa? And she would go, <laughs> I think he would say when God tells me, right? <laughs> when we moved to South Africa, and I am not recommending anybody do this, this was our call. It's not everybody's. There's nothing wrong with itinerating as a missionary. We just didn't do it. We knew the call on our life. We sold everything in our house. With Cindy saying, I can't do this and walk back in the house. I, I got it. I got it. She said, it looks so good in our house, but it looks like junk on the front yard. Sold everything. 
moved to South Africa with no promise of anything. We got there and thinking what we thought was going to happen didn't. And then it became a series of five years, we were there, of God, I have no idea what you're doing today, but I just want to join it. And I attempted to learn to live for five years. God, I'm going to go by the ocean, I'm going to pray, and then I want to obey whatever I feel like you're doing. Sometimes he made it easy for me. I was so glad he'd have, he had a guy call from the, the grocery store parking lot. He said, Tom, I got no money. I have no way to buy groceries. And I had two young gals sitting there from the world race. If you've heard of the world race, we were coaches for the world race for quite a while. And um, I looked at these two young gals and I go, well, what should we do? Well, it was pretty obvious. We should go help him buy groceries. I said, absolutely, because that's pretty clear what the father's doing, or I wouldn't have got the phone call. So we jumped up and we went down to the parking lot and we bought the groceries. But, you know, those took steps of faith because we were trying to believe for our own finances. We did sort of okay. (laughs) You hear that laugh? Listen, we were learning a lot about how to walk by faith. We had successes and we had failures. But I can tell you this, we were learning to know him deeper. And we came back, that's when, that's when hell showed up. The going was spiritually romantic, like we're selling everything, we're going to follow Jesus. And then I came back and it's like, we got nothing. We had no car, we had no place to live. We lived with five different families when we returned from South Africa because we didn't have anything. And that, you know, we're, we're single family, we're, we're single dwelling, let's see, single family dwelling people for the most part. And we would live with people and about for three months there'd be grace, 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 and it'd be like, eh, you know, um, it was nice having you. <laughs> what well, was nice being had? Thank you. And we wouldn't even, five, five families, right? But boy, was there a lot of learning in that grace, how to give grace. And then Cindy's twin sister and her husband gave us a 1997 Ford Windstar. Cindy nicknamed it Mr. Frankenvan because it had rust on the side. They said, sir, this will not pass inspection. I said to one of my buddies, I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods at the time. I said, hey, could you fix this? He goes, oh yeah, I'll just get some sheet metal, pop riveted on there. You'll be good to go. It might not look good, but it'll pass inspection. I was like, that's all I care about. And she nicknamed it Mr. Frankenvan. And I drove Mr. Frankenvan for seven years. With absolute joy in my heart. I can, I can genuinely say that. So when you see me pull up in my 2022 Jeep Wrangler, I had to marry Leah before I got Rachel. <laughs> uh, I, I had to have the Windstar before I got the Wrangler, right? Like, so, so just know... Whatever journey God had me on, he just went, I just want to know if you're content in all, you know, in plenty and in want, Tom, are you content? Yes, God, I am. I'd put all the seats down, my fishing rods, my hunting gear. It was like a pickup truck. And we were happy. We were content. And then we finally got our own place, little condo. Couldn't barely get anybody in there, but we had a place. 
But you know what? It's what's in here, not what's out here that matters. You know, I got a long ways to go, but we'll have to do part two, three, and four maybe. Like, who knows? Uh, maybe, maybe never, but <laughs> come, come sit with me. I'll have coffee with you anytime. I'll drive to Millersburg and we can go through. There's a lot in this. Let me, let me point out just real quickly a couple things. Peter addresses the crowd, right? 3,000 people get saved. See, I think what's going to happen is the church is going to get decentralized more than ever. And it's going to be more out there than it is in here. Peter addresses the crowd. And then later you find that people were bringing the sick and the ill, laying them in the streets. And the church was going and praying and the sick were getting healed in the streets. And when I read that last night, I was like walking through the hallway of a hospital in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. It's, I think it's coming. It's already here. He's just waiting for the body of Christ to catch up. But again, the circumstances are going to squeeze us. And they're going to get us where the Father desires and designs for us to go. Miracles start to happen. Here's the crazy part. I'll, I'll end with this. I got to read it. Sorry. You got to hear this because this, this burns in my heart. All the believers were one in heart. This is um, uh, Acts 4.32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Wait, what? Uh, when I read that, I go, it's 100 to zero. If none, of, if none of my possessions are my own, at any time, if I hold my hands like this, God can say, hey, you know what? That laptop you got, that brother right there needs it. Oh, wait a minute, God. Tom, did, did, did you see what I said? None of your possessions are your own. Let's, let's read on. But they shared everything they had. What's that, what, what's, what's that movie of the seagulls? Mine, 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 mine. Now listen, we don't walk around like children doing that, but inside we're like, dude, that's mine. I love you, but not that much. Right? They shared everything they had. That blows my mind. I have learned to so generously and it's reaped generously. Now I am not a prosperity guy, right? But I believe there's prosperity in the kingdom. And I believe when I'm obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit who leads me, catch this, this is what I want you to get and I'm done. The next verse, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. See, that's the message. We should never lose that message. That's the message. And God's what? Grace was so powerfully at work in all of them. What gets you to give up your possessions? Grace. What is grace? Getting what I don't deserve. 
Coming back from South Africa, we had, I remember, 12600 I want to say $73 on a credit card. I, I would say to Cindy, I don't feel like we're ever going to get out of debt. Like, that wasn't the only credit card, right? And I went to pay it one day, and I couldn't figure out what in the world. And so I called them. And I said, I'm trying to pay my credit card, and... I, I, something's not right. And she said, well, sir, you called and paid it off yesterday. And I went, well, there's obviously a mistake because no, I did not. She said, well, somebody did. Amen. I went, what? 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 Somebody paid 12000 They tried to be sneaky and not tell me. And so I said to the lady, I said, ma'am, could, could you tell me who it is? She said, well, it's your account. Yes, I can. This is what I learned that day. I learned that God's grace gave me what I didn't deserve. Listen, I put the debt on my credit card. It was my issue to resolve with the Father, but somebody said, I'm going to give you grace. Ah! I called the guy. I said to him, I said, um, let me just tell you what's happened. I said, what you did for me is unthinkable and thank you and I am so, I am so thankful. But what it did in me is way greater value than what it did for me because I called Cindy, I said, somebody paid off our credit card. She goes, what? She came home, I said, what did you think when I told you that? She goes, God loves me. See, when you experience the grace of God where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. I don't care who you are, what you've been through. I don't care if you've got secret pornography going on. I don't care. Whatever you have in your life that if we would cast all of our videos up on the screen, we'd be like, yeah, we are messy. Grace. Grace. And I'm not talking about sloppy grace. I'm talking about God's grace. It's not excusing sin. It's just knowing that grace will cover when I repent of my sin. Right? Right? Grace. This book of Acts should inspire us for what we see coming. Because I, I think, I don't know if in my lifetime, I'm, I'm, you know, life's like a vapor. It's here and it's gone. My vapor is running out. So I don't know if I'll see this, but I genuinely believe this, that we will begin to see the miracles, but we'll also begin to see the persecution. Those who stand up for Jesus Christ in the days ahead will end up in prison. The Chinese church, why is it thriving? Because it's persecuted. We've had blessing for so many years. I'm so grateful. But it's not the blessings that gets us closer to God. It's the struggles and the challenges and the failures that get us closer to God. And so the Lord says, I'm going to press, and I'm going to press, and I'm going to press, because I want to see what's in you. And those that are thriving in their personal walk and journey with Jesus will rise 
And I'm afraid that those with the spirit of religion and church attendance and the Pharisees will begin to dissipate. Let's pray. God, I thank you for Millersburg, Pennsylvania. You put it on the map. God, I thank you for Hillside Christian Fellowship. God, I thank you for Pastor Steve Blair and his family. I thank you for these precious people, Father. And Jesus, I just pray whatever whatever has been heard today, I pray that they will just say, I need to know him. But God, I gotta go make you known. Not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, when I sit in a restaurant, may I hear the words by that person's food and just obey. That's grace. If you're here this morning, I I just want to address two kinds of people. One, you know that in your current state, you have backslidden and really you fought to have even a desire for the Father. I get that. I've lived in that place. I understand that place. I think probably all of us at some degree do. And you say, you know what, Tom, I, I, I have slid back far enough because, you know, wide is the road, right? There's, there's more people on that road and the road will always be narrow. It will never change. It's narrow. But the invitation today is grace. To say, hey, you know what, this is where I've lived, but if God will help me, I would like to get off the backslidden trail. And part of that, there's so many things could be on that trail, right? I'm bitter. I'm addicted. I'm offended. Whatever that thing is, I just wanna welcome you back to the foot of Jesus and for him to allow the grace of God to wash over you. The second person I'd like to talk to is the person that's here and doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You like these people, you've attended this church, but you're not sure if I said to you, when you stand before Jesus, what are you gonna say to him? The only thing that you're gonna have to say to him is Jesus, I know you. And he's gonna know if you know him. And if today you say, hey, you know what? I've not stepped into a personal relationship with Jesus. Listen, let me caution you on this. If, If you read your Bible and you pray, the Pharisees did that. It's not about that. It's about a personal relationship and knowing him and then taking steps of faith when he calls you to something as scared as you might be, you're going to step into it. And then when he does what you stepped into, you go, wow, I just got to know him a little deeper. I can tell you this after having lived over in the world and having walked now for a long time with Jesus, there, there's not a comparison. Man, I've messed up big time. Cried out for the grace of God. And it's been there. So um, I'm not one to be real bashful about this stuff. Is that cool? cool. Well, some of you may be like, what does that mean? 
Um, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if you are backslidden, you know you have journeyed further. You're, you're not pursuing. You're further than you were. Or you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm boldly going to ask you to stand up. And this is why I do this. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. There's no secret agent, timid Christians. So listen, these people here love whoever of you that might be wrestling with, well, gosh, I, I can't, I can't. I'm going to be embarrassed. Now, I'm not going to ask you to speak. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than to say, you know what, Tom? Pray for me. Count me in that prayer. And I want to do that. Are you ready? One. Two. Three. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Sweet. If I promise to get you out of here by noon, would you guys come stand here with me? I will pray with you. Come on. I know. I know. You, you, you potentially hate me right now, but that's okay. It's, I do this because I love you. Could I have some of the people that were in prayer just come up and stand behind these people? Or anybody. Anybody can come. I, listen, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you want to come put your hands on some of these people, please do. How you doing, my brother? Come on. Yeah. Ah, oh, this is body life. Jesus, just for these people, but for all of us, it's more than just a prayer and go, I'm good. It really is repent and be baptized and change my lifestyle and walk with you. And so, Father, I pray for these courageous men and women who've come to stand here, God. So incredibly proud of them, but God, I, I ask, would you just dive into the midst of their life? And God, I pray that this body, Cindy and I will be gone and walk away from here, maybe, maybe at some point to come back. But if not, there's a, there's a bride here. There's people that love you, Jesus, can walk with these people. I, I pray that today's not the beginning and the end and nobody ever speaks or walks with them. I pray this is the beginning because we do know the kingdom of God is built on relationship. It's walking with these people. It's loving them. It's giving grace in the middle of their, their trial and tribulations and that we all grow together, God. We're all messy. None of us are exempt. It's how we love each other and give each other grace for the journey and encourage one another. And so, Father, I pray that these folks, that they would understand that, God, I repent of the things that have not been representative of you. And I would encourage you folks that are here to pray that, just whisper that to God. God, help me to lay down and, and name whatever it is that you know has been there running interference. And then say, Father, I, I, I want to begin to get back on track with a loving relationship with you. And then Father, would you just put in people's hearts or surrounding them right now to pursue them 
to love them, to walk with them. And Jesus, I thank you for that in your incredible and mighty name. Amen. Amen. Give these people a hug, will you? Just give them a hug. Come on. Everybody stand up, will you? Let's uh, just close in prayer. I don't know um, how you guys do it. I would be more than willing to stay if anybody wants prayer. I'd be more than willing to pray. Some of these people, I'm sure, in your body would pray with you as well. Um, We come to church not because we have it all together. We come to church to be a body and pray for one another, right? Carry one another's burdens. That's what the scripture says. So I will linger a bit if you need prayer. I'm certainly here to pray with you. I'm sure there's others. Other than that, can I just say to you, have a Jesus-filled day? Because it truly is the only kind of day to have. I love you bunches. You're free. You're free. And we just say thank you, Tom. That was awesome. And, you know, I just thank the Lord for the Leah in your life because that is where um, Christ was birthed out of the Leahs. And we just thank you, Lord, for that. And I just, he met every anticipation and every expectation that Pastor Steve told us he would meet. And um, thank you so much for imparting to us. And the challenge has been given now for the passion, the prayer, and to carry the manifest presence of the Lord in our life. So, so be it and may it be done in each one of us. Amen.